Welcome to episode 19 of the Accidental Muralist podcast. This is also module five of Heart School. Um, I kind of in my mind think of it as season two, episode five. Today I'm speaking with my friend Rhiannon Leonard. She is an artist. She is a fellow flamenco dancer and musician. And she has her personal art practice, but also in the schools, she is a teaching artist with the Right Brain Initiative and with the Young Audiences Program of Oregon and Southwest Washington. And in that role, she integrates her drawing art form with a classroom curriculum. And um, today we're talking about creativity. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I do believe that there is a place in the world for the craft in the box thing or for the paint along with me, paint and sip nights, Mm -hmm. or for other things that feel a little cookie cutter, I guess is the, not they feel a little like they are kind of cookie cutter things, but, but also I see how much people love those. So I try to not be judgy about it because I think it's useful as an entryway. And then I look at myself as a kid and all I was doing was coloring, coloring books. So Mm -hmm. that's no different than, and doing paint by numbers. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I've kind of decided it's just part of the continuum. It's a place to start when you feel like you don't have creative ideas that's how I felt for a few decades but you have this urge to make something Mm -hmm. but I still don't really think that that is I think that's kind of different than art because for me I think art needs to show something of your own personality and that's hard to do on a coloring book yeah yeah I think that it allows for access right it opens up to any and all people, regardless of their their personal perspective of um, like recognizing their own creativity, uh, it it also is a motivational um, ego builder or like mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I, confidence I, confidence builder. builder. Thank yeah. you. Like I can do this. I have I have achieved this thing with help. So potentially it's the the gateway to actual actual creativity. It's the gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the gateway drug to the hard stuff. Yeah, which is I mean, yeah. The the idea of going and um, painting and drinking wine it it might be just absolutely nice because you don't have to put any energy into the process or generating ideas. You can be present with a conversation and that is actually why you are there. Yes. And I've also heard, and I think this was a conversation about paint by numbers recently, that somebody got a paint by number kit. I didn't know they still made those. Mm -hmm. I used to do those in the 70s. And they just kind of geeked out on it for the pure enjoyment of turning off their brain and just relaxing. It would be like binge watching something on Netflix. Only it was a little, you know, your hand is moving and you're using paint and it's very satisfying Mm -hmm. for this person Mm -hmm. to just relax and kind of check out and do this thing that felt very therapeutic. So that has value too. Right, because we're 
constantly overanalyzing. We're constantly judging. What? You? I don't ever do that. <laughs> you do that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And even when I'm creating art, totally. and it gets hyper vigilant when I'm creating art. Should I do this? Should I do this? Where yeah. does this line go? What about the measurements? What's the frame? Yeah, all of it. And so it's, it's a way. It's a way to like be present, but without worry. Yeah. Yeah, and just enjoy the materials. Two nights ago, I taught a class, Found Object Mosaics, at the Rebuilding Center. It was the first time teaching that class. And it went the way I hoped it would go, which was I brought some really fun materials. I gave the most minimal instruction, showed them, here's some surfaces to choose from, here's a bunch of materials. Mm -hmm. And... I said a few more things than that, but basically, like, let me know if you have questions. Just go make, you know, start start putting your hands on things. And and they just went and did it. I'm trying to also get away from the, I'm the teacher and I have all this expertise to share with you because I'm this very serious artist. Like, that's not who I want to, that's not the teacher I want to be. I yeah. want to be just a conduit for people to find their own creative juices and just to believe that they have them right which I believe every human has them so I just want to provide the safe space and interesting materials and the permission and I told them all at the beginning you know we have a lot of baggage in our culture about who is allowed to be creative and who the real artists are quote unquote and I want to tell you all you are qualified to do this and you have everything you need, so <laughs> mm -hmm. we can let all that go. And it was really fun and satisfying. And it also felt risky because I had to risk being seen as not a real teacher or like a professional. Because right. <laughs> I didn't have a whole bunch of knowledge to impart about how the adhesives will work and how this surface. Yeah. But that's... I, and I wonder how useful is that when someone is telling them themselves a story as they're being creative and making decisions on what items to put in uh, and, and their they're like hands are, are in it and their juices are flowing, as you said. You know, how useful is that te technology, those, those, those technical terms? Yeah, I think it has zero usefulness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that you're caught in that, like, oh, I should be filling this up with this technical information to prove that I am very knowledgeable. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's the role of teachers that we have grown up with. Yeah. And, and I go into those situations of teaching with, like, and I'm trying to get out of this, but like I need people are paying money for this. I need to give them quote unquote their money's worth. Right. You know, I need to right. if they're paying X amount of money, I need to make it worth that, whatever that means. And by the end of it I was well, actually I told them about my thought process because I had gotten all these surfaces at scrap and I was thinking I should sort of prepare the surfaces, at least clean them, because some of them are kind of dusty and but then I thought prepare them for what like I don't know if they're going to be putting glass on them or paper on them. you know I I had a lot of different materials so then I freed myself up from that partly because I didn't have time but also thinking no actually what I want them to learn is how to think like a salvager 
And so that's mm -hmm. what we ended up doing. And that's what they ended up loving because I think they had all been to more traditional art classes that were full of instruction. And right. that isn't really what they... They already know that Rebuilding Center is about salvaging and scrounging and yeah. making something into something else. And so it was a good fit. And I felt really gratified. It was just like my dream job because yeah. really I put all these materials out and then I just walked around to see what people were making right and it was fantastic yeah I mean the the fact that you're transparent with your learning and recognizing that your goal is to create this create this space up for creativity and then realizing that the beginning you don't have to curate the the found objects and that is a part that's like a fundamental part of that whole spectrum that whole process of um, creativity outside of the box then just giving people permission to experiment because i think there's so much right and wrong in our culture that it mm -hmm. kind of freezes people up into wor this worry of like what if i do it wrong and with found objects yeah. like how is there a wrong when well, you're well and and there is if if the organization that you're working with says these are the skills that you're going away with, what happens then, you know, how do you allow these individuals to fail, right? Like, how, how do you support that failure? And how do you explain like, oh yeah, 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 this, no, this is totally it. And I've done this like a thousand times. I've failed millions of times. <laughs> Congratulations, right? Like, how do you honor that in a way that is, um, receptive to maybe the place that they're in emotionally and that is counter our culture. I know I'm just thinking maybe I could teach a class called fail like nobody signs up for a class to <laughs> go fail it, right but maybe that's the class that needs to be created or yeah. to say more about the I mean I know what you mean like you failure needs to be built in and yet also I'm just a few minutes ago, I was saying I'm trying to get away from using words like good and bad and right and wrong. Yes. But I would also say I'm trying to not use success and failure because I know what you mean yeah. by failure. But I, and this sounds cheesy, but I, you know, that's just an opportunity. It's either an opportunity for learning or for trying a different thing. And now you've seen like, oh, okay, that that metal washer didn't stick with that glue. So now I know that, now I need to figure out something else. So totally, the failure, yeah, it could be like teeny little failures, but not the kind where you like, okay, this whole thing didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I totally hear you. And yeah, I, I, and I, I know understand, what, and I understand yeah. what you're saying. And I, I often struggle with terminology for for quote-unquote failure um, because there are opportunities for, for learning. Every time we are failing, we're learning, right? But in our society and in our culture, when you go home and your gingerbread was not pasted correctly and all of your candies have fallen off the gingerbread, <laughs> <laughs> you have made a miserable It still tastes good though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tastes just the same yeah no I think it just like death it's something that we I would like our culture to get comfortable talking about yeah. and not have it be like this epic or divorce 
I'll throw that in there because for a long time I saw my divorce as like my most gigantic public failure. And in one sense it was, but I can't call it a failure anymore because I've learned so much. I needed every single one of those lessons and I had these two amazing human beings that came out of that mm -hmm. marriage that didn't last. So that's been my biggest reframing of failure. But still, failure and success is how we kind of talk in our society. And I would love us to be able to just talk freely about failures without shame, talk freely about divorce without shame, talk about death without so much fear. And mm -hmm. yeah, so there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, and it, it kind of circles back to perfectionism, right? Totally. Wanting things to be exactly the way that we have designed them in our head or we, we have planned and recognizing that in life it doesn't happen that way and that it's, it's an actual vital piece to our life that things don't happen that way <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> by plan and design. Yeah, it would be really boring if everything happened the way we wanted it. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious what the title of this class, this art class that you're going <laughs> to teach is going to be. Well, I actually have one listed on my website called Rule Breaking for Beginners. So that's a little bit different, but it's related in that I, what I envision doing in that class is ha having people break tile, tear pages out of books mm -hmm. for the sake of making something out of them, not just purely for... I'm very used to doing those two things right now. We could break other things too. I probably have some other things in mind. But I come across a lot of people that are like, what the first time that they're about to tear a page out of a crappy old tattered, you know, book reclaimed from the library discard pile or, mm -hmm. or worse, a puddle or something, there's something visceral that they're like, oh, I can't, you know, this feels so destructive. Like, I yeah. can't do this. And I, it's not bad that we have that reaction to breaking things, but there's maybe a little bit too much rule following going on there. Yeah. It makes me think about the um, the Christmas trees that we used to make out of books as a kid. Ooh, <laughs> we would fold the pages yeah. and you'd make a, a 3D Christmas tree. Mm, so you'd fold mm -hmm. the top down, um, the angle, mm, and then the bottom down. I've never done that, but I've seen Super things fun. like that. Ooh, I, yeah. like that. As, I mean, as long as that's paired with how to treat books that we care yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> like don't do it with every book. <laughs> right. yeah. Don't take yeah your grandfather's antique, you know, dictionary or and tear it up but yeah well one thing I told this class and then I'll stop talking about this class was because of the world we live in and the future we're heading towards being able to see new uses for things and take risk take creative risks is going to be a really important and increasingly more important skill and mm -hmm. they're, the world is full of art supplies. They're on the ground, on the sidewalk, they're in your recycle bin, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we could also slow down our consumption a little bit by making this kind of stuff. So it, yeah. I had a little preaching moment. I kept it pretty short, but you know, I have like bigger goals for the classes than to make pretty things. I want people to learn how to think creatively, think in a salvage-minded, repurposing way in all areas of life. Yeah. So the word, the the letter 
this month is C in our acronym we're spelling, our mystery acronym that Rhiannon knows the knows now. It's such a it's I'm sure it's such a mystery to those who are following along. Um, creativity, but there are other great C words like courage. Oh, courage! That isn't what we talked about, but courage is one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it a a clean three. Three other C's attached to creativity. Courage, which always needs to be there. Curiosity. And one that I'm kind of fascinated with these days, which is constraints. And the way that constraints Mm -hmm. actually can spark creativity where you would think that they would hinder creativity. And I find that sometimes, and this happens for me when I get a commission, which I love, because um, it just pushes me into directions I wouldn't have chosen myself. And, you know, with these constraints of, I could, I'm thinking of a couple I'm working on right now that are just, I won't go into the, de- but, you know, when you're given very specific details about what to include and what shapes or what colors, there's something that I really love about working within those constraints. So, yeah. Do you, any, any place you want to start? Yeah, it makes me think about when 13 years ago when I was working full time and uh, I just had my first kid and it was all I wanted to do was sleep um, and eat <laughs> and hug that baby. Um, and But I also had the urge to be artistic and I made sure that I was sketching my experience as a mom. And so it was limited because I didn't, I didn't have any time, I didn't have any energy, but I did have a piece of paper and I did have a pencil. And so I just like created oh, these that. series of the mother load uh, images of like knee swimming in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I will share them with you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it's like just, just a, a hint of, of artistic thought and creativity and and power in 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 my voice as a mom and and what I was going through and that like kept me going when I was working in a, in a, an environment that was very not creative the opposite of it so um, that's amazing yeah and as far as um, my practice as an artist it's really interesting because those um, you were talking about constraints like it is what helps me stay focused um, and and allows me because there's just so many possibilities uh, when you're like okay I have a frame I know the size of the frame uh, I want this amount of border I want it to line up around here here's my subject this is what I want to say um, I kind of know the materials that I use, so that is also a a constraint at this point. Um, And it's also a choice, but Mm -hmm. I just like, it allows me to not only start work, but finish work. Ooh, and the finishing, let's see, I feel like this is important to digress, not digress, but just take a little tangent ride over to finishing. I keep hearing other people talking about how important it is to just finish something instead of having like 20 things that you've started and never brought. It can be a failure. We'll just use that word. Yeah. You know, right. For lack of a better one. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's something that I always am dealing with because I always have so many projects and so many um, concepts and ideas. And so I'll, I'll sketch a lot. And um, I have done a bunch of sketches for and lay, um, book layouts for illustrations that I have never published or um, even attempted to publish. And, um, and sort of evaluating the psychology personally of like, so what does that mean? Does it mean that I am not um, a, a book illustrator? And, and I'm, I'm more excited about, oh, you know what? I, I love that I had a chance to process this visually and whether it is, it is quote unquote finished or not, I feel like the idea has been finished and it, it had the value as an artist that it needed to, and so then I can leave it. And then if it, if it comes up and it, it's just shouting at me, then I'll pull it out and keep moving. But finishing stuff is, is really challenging. It is, and I think it's the Libra in me. I'm always like, well, there's this side, and then there, but also like, not everything should be finished. I heard this whole talk recently about the value of quitting. Somebody's recently <laughs> wrote a book trying to elevate quitting. Like so many people stay, for example, in jobs that they hate long past the point where they should have quit because yeah. there's, so that's a whole other topic. Or as when I was doing work as a home organizer, one category of things that people have a hard time getting rid of is half finished projects that they aspire to finish someday, but you know, for 15 years they've been dragging around this project and it's just psychological baggage. Yeah. And it would be better probably to just like let that go and get it out of your brain space. Mm -hmm. But you also do, give yourself credit because you also do finish things. I have seen finished products of your work and sure. so yeah yeah if it's um if it's a relationship to finish it like if it um, if someone is expecting it it gets finished mm -hmm. but if it's for me if it's a project it might not necessarily get finished it is harder for personal projects working for other people like you said you know we all i think that's really common we can we can get that thing done um and delivered and i think that's why I felt so committed to finish to that doodle book last year, to writing it and sending it to the printer so that I could have some, it was important to me to have something in my hand in book form. That mm -hmm. was a goal, mm -hmm. a long time goal of mine. And it was hard because it took way longer than I thought. And you know, it's not perfect but it couldn't be perfect because I really wanted it done. Yeah. And that felt really satisfying because it was just something I generated myself. There was no publisher out in the world. Maybe someday there will be, but you know, no publisher was like, hey, will you do this for us? It's just like, I want to write about, about doodling. And it was important only to me. Yeah, it was very satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it, and it for me, it taps into there as a parent, and having two kids who are, you know, elementary school, middle school age, I am constantly justifying. If it's not con con contracted work, I am constantly justifying my creative time. I know, that's so hard. And it's something that I, I, don't, I don't know how to open that up because there's only so much time in the day. 
and my priorities are making sure that we are well as a as a family unit, right? And, yeah, and so and so there. I guess the art isn't necessarily just on the paper, <laughs> right? Being a mother as an artist, yeah. Um, being a, being a family member, being a contributor. Yeah, and that's where I like to take art and creativity too. Is like the way you live your life is your. This sounds cheesy, also, but you know your life is like your greatest work of art, for any of us. Mm -hmm. And I do like to think of it that way. That I, I, it goes back to agency. That was our first word on this little journey of heart school. Um, a lot of people feel stuck. I, I hear and feel a lot of stuckness in our culture, people feeling trapped in their jobs and, oh, I, you know, I hate my job, I really want to do something creative, but I can't, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if we're not in charge of our lives, who is? Who have we appointed to be in charge of it? Yeah. But with the mother, the mothering thing you said, I'm, I'm very impressed with your drawings and I can't wait to see them because that is so hard to do. I, my kids are 28 and 23, so it was a while ago, but that was a time when I probably was doing the least art, quote unquote, in my life, other than I was teaching and you know sometimes doing art with kids, but it was, I, I didn't really feel at that time like I had permission, like you just described to take time and energy for myself. It was a real struggle. Mm -hmm. So this is, I'm just saying, easier said than done, but maybe we can give each other permission. Art is also the thing that kind of saved my soul. That also sounds cheesy, but there was enough of a thread of connection to my creative self that it kind of, I was able to reel myself in later when I lost myself in mm -hmm. parenting and in teaching and mm -hmm. wifing and and mm, so I like, I like the term wiping. <laughs> <laughs> so for the sake of if if the mother and I do believe this is true even in our kind of anti-woman society that the health of the mother is critical to the health of the family. Yeah. And if the creative soul of the mother is central to the emotional health of the mother, which is critical to the stability and health and thriving of the family, that is worth spending time on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as we are both in the flamenco community in Portland, that we find so much spiritual growth and community connection through the art form of flamenco. Yeah. Through singing, through making sound together, uh, cheering each other on, yeah, clapping, totally. and dancing together. And so it's it's more art that's not on the page, <laughs> right? But yeah. that is building Different our spirit up. And I, I absolutely, yeah. I absolutely see that as being vital to the overall wellness to my family. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, mean, the fundamentals. Those we've got the basics covered, right? Yeah. It's so grateful. Yeah, it's like gifts to ourselves. The, the gifts that keep on giving to ourselves is creative time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and shared creative time too. I think that that's one of the things as a, as a, um, as a creative or a practicing artist and a teaching artist where I kind of live in this little bubble of creativity 
Um, and when I get to share it with others, it just has such a deeper meaning. Yeah, the conversations around it, which are so important because I, because my area of deepest purpose, I guess I would say, mm -hmm. is sort of helping people unlock their own creativity that has been trapped and diminished and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. shoved away to some far corner. There are so many people who are like in their 50s and they will talk about my third grade teacher said my painting I did it wrong and I'm not going to be an artist and I wanted to paint but I never picked up a paintbrush after that. Mm -hmm. Not to put any pressure on you, art teacher of children, but <laughs> Rhiannon, but the the words that art teachers say yeah. can profoundly impact a person's creative impression of themselves, and it's shocking. Yeah, what's interesting is going into a classroom of pretty much strangers, right? Like going into a school for a residency, not knowing the teachers, maybe I've had one planning meeting, for 20 minutes, um, but I never met the students up until till the mm -hmm. moment that I arrive. Maybe we have two days together, maybe we have five days together, um, 40 minute sections um, for learning something that's integrating their curriculum with visual art uh, or using drawing as a tool. And I find that most of them are so excited that I am there as an artist and most of them identify as artists and so it's like we hit, we are training the artists out of people yeah I know <laughs> and I think it happens around fifth or sixth grade because I've worked with a lot of kids too I started doing after I was a classroom teacher kindergarten first grade mostly I started doing a lot of visiting artist things in all grades from kindergarten through high school yeah and so it leads me to lots of questions when a student is up for a conversation with me. So when I'm walking around and trying to have one-on-one -on -one conversations and they're creating or making, and I will say, you know, did you have a sticky part in, in this process? What was the hardest part for you? Um, so leading questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you drew that flower perfectly. That's not that's not way the way that I'm going to be right. doing it. Yeah, um, I like the word sticky. <laughs> so sticky, that's good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, but so the problem solving and creativity, and so if you mm -hmm. did have something that was challenging, what did you do mm -hmm. to get past it? Right, because that's the, that's, that's the actual the juicy, learning. Yes, that's such, that's the whole thing. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, I'm, yeah, and so it's it's real. It's interesting because kids want to tell you. I mean, everybody wants to tell you their story, and they want an opportunity to to share what they're doing. And so the opportunity when it's there, like really listening to what they're saying, and using that opportunity to invite the teacher with those questions of, hey, this isn't necessarily the way a tree is supposed to look, or that doesn't look like art. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. how do you untrain those really horrible, toxic messages mm -hmm. to young brains and young minds, right? So when I, when I ask a question, I ask them, um, did you have any big successes? Were there were there parts that were just super powerful for you? Mm -hmm. You know, and though I think that once we once we lead with those questions, teachers 
they have a different understanding of how we can and and people in general i think we all have good intentions we just don't necessarily have the skills or there's not modeling going around us because even what when that was you the just, word i was looking for modeling thank you <laughs> <laughs> well when you just said that question about did you have any big successes i could see a kindergarten first grade second grade third grade fourth grade probably fifth grader saying yeah you know i did this and it i love it and and then at some point, it becomes socially unacceptable to feel good about your work. Yeah. Do you find that? And it, it's so crushing, like even adults, and we see this kind of in flamenco, like you, we don't usually stand around saying to each other, did you see how I did that? You know, I was amazing. Did you notice? Like I nailed that footwork. Did you see it? Yeah, like all we're thinking is that part where we froze <clears throat> and you know how we meant to do this other thing but we did this thing instead mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and we're so wired for like picking up our faults it also feels like we get taught out of just feeling excited about the things we make and it you know it's labeled mm -hmm. bragging mm -hmm. or you know, this protestant work ethic you're not supposed to stand out or you know like Mm -hmm. actually feel good about what you've done you're supposed to be humble and modest and yeah I think that's sad yeah I, I I see every single kid that is from kindergarten to absolutely fourth grade lots of fifth graders they want they want to talk to you and they want to make art with you mm -hmm. and they might not want to make like my art yeah. Right? Like they might not yeah. want to do illustration visual art. Like maybe theirs is acting or maybe mm -hmm. it's clay or whatever whatever their craft is. Um, but they want to make and they want to, to be creative. Yeah. The trick is how how can we stop teaching that out of them? Like where does it break down? I think some of it is I'm focusing on the negative. It's fantastic that those kids want to do that. <laughs> That's first what I want to say. Yeah, yeah. How fantastic. That's right. Let's, That's right. let's how learn we, from that. How do we continue let's, to build on that? Yeah, let yeah. those young elementary kids be our teachers in how to retain the joy in making things and not over-censoring ourselves. I mean, because the system is set up the way that it is and it has been, um, how do we, di I mean, dismantle the, the, the racism? Um, how do we allow it to open up for creativity? Yeah, and what kind of skills do we want them to have? Do we want them to be good test takers or creative problem solvers? Which I guess there are some tests that where there could be some overlap, but that's not the same skill set when I think of the standardized test that I am familiar with. It's not open-ended like, you know, what would you do with this pile of junk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Well, I'm looking at our C words here on the page, creativity, courage, and then within that courage, curiosity, mm -hmm. constraints. We did talk a little bit about constraints. Mm -hmm. Curiosity, courage, I feel like that's just a given, but undervalued. I have a quote around here. Oh, there it is. All art involves risk. And I think maybe maybe courage is the step between the craft in a box, the sip and paint, and then the next step 
that would be closer to like art. And I'm not an art purist. Uh, you know, I don't feel snooty about calling, oh, this is real art and that's not real art. That's just the same as like good art and bad art. But I, I like to define art as there needs to be some kind of revealing, something of yourself needs to come out. And if you're only copying something, which I went through a phase of copying too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I used to be very judgy looking back on myself because I went from coloring books as a child to literal copying, like where tracing, tracing. where I okay. would take images that I liked, put a thin piece of paper and actually trace them and actually get a little satisfaction that out of my hand came this thing. But I knew at the same time, like I didn't create that. Mm -hmm. I didn't at that time, and this was like high school, which might be too old to be doing that, but that's what I was doing. Well, that's interesting that you said that. <laughs> I'm judging myself that I should have been at a that further stage along the way. I should have been better. <laughs> I was so bad at it. But I felt like I, I would see these pictures that really appealed to me, and I would just be like, how did people come up with this stuff? Like, I felt like I didn't have a creative, <laughs> I'm going to be like so many people, like all the adults who walk up to me to work on a mural project. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I, I relate to that because, I mean, I it makes me bristle when I hear it, and that's why I'm so motivated to move people out of that. But the I used to be very judgy about my coloring book self like I actively would regret the amount of hours I spent filling in coloring books and then and then I got to the place where like no that was just part of the process I had to start with coloring books filling them in mm -hmm. and then tracing things that I like and then I would when I was an adult and was trying to scratch this art itch I would take a magazine picture that appealed to me and I would try to not trace it but copy as closely and it and I knew the whole the whole time I was judging myself because not for how well I did it because I could do it really well and that was where the learning was like I was learning how to mm. like get things proportional and blend color mix colors so that I could make my whether I was using oil pastels or acrylics I could I could make the same color that was on this magazine page and there was a lot of learning there, but I was judging myself the whole time, like, why are you doing this? Look at what you're doing. You're just copying someone. You're like, you didn't make this. How come you get, you know, mm -hmm. I had this mm -hmm. whole thing like I was doing it wrong. But it was a stage. I looked, and then I went, then I started like combining an element from maybe this photo that I took and putting it in with this backdrop from something else. And that was like my first little baby step toward coming up with my own compositions and then and then things kind of clicked in and then I got a little and it you know I look around the room and like there's nothing in here that people would be, look at and be like that is wildly creative <laughs> according to the word the way creative is used like it's supposed to be crazy and I've never seen it before and it's you know or something I don't know what that's my idea of how, what how people do find you. <laughs> you're looking at me like this is well I'll just say on Alberta Street we have a lot of art galleries in our neighborhood and sometimes and here's another kind of judginess and sometimes I feel like the work in some of the galleries is only meant to shock you 
this topic mm. will be in a future month of heart school. I won't say what the word is going to be, but I do have some thoughts around this that I want to flesh out later. But there is one idea of art. It has to be like racy and provocative and, you know, political and blah. And I've never felt like I have this message that I need to get out. But sometimes I see some of the art and it's beautifully crafted, but it will just be like, you know, blood spewing out of a deer that has breasts or something. And I'm like, mm -hmm. is that? Yeah. I just, I wonder if it's for shock or is it like just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think I digressed from no, wherever no. we were well, going. I, I typically <laughs> want to know the story behind it. Right. So the, yeah, there's right. the art piece and then I want <clears throat> it like guides me into curiosity about who is the maker of this? Yeah. And what impelled, compelled, propelled them to right. make that. When you were talking about spending a lot of time on coloring. Okay, thanks. I couldn't remember what <laughs> just happened in the last five minutes. <laughs> well, you were talking about the stages, right? Like the development yeah. and, and building and the constant uh, analyzing that you were doing, right? While, while you're building these tools to have to have the confidence to be an artist, to be quote unquote an yes, artist, to, to make the grade, <laughs> to, yeah. to feel that you have the power to be an artist or yeah. the right to be an artist. Yeah, and and it took a while to not put the little air quotes around it <laughs> or to qualify it by saying, "Oh, I'm not a real artist. I just you know play around with it." And right. Now I can say it, but now I have. Now I question it the other way. Like, why does it need to be a title? Right. Like, why? Well, and as a as a practicing <clears throat> artist, right, I ha and a teaching artist, I have been figuring out. So here's the science, right? Here's the botanical illustrations born from the desire to fill our um, medicine cabinet with alternative plant-based medicines. And, hmm. and learning about medicines. That's the origin mm -hmm. of me like becoming curious about mm -hmm. plants. So it's it's super scientific, oh, the observational drawing that I do. Yeah, yeah. And it also, because I am a visual learner, words have to come through my hands for me to actually retain them, remember them, understand them. And so there's this, there's this science art that I do you know, is that art, right? It's, it's science, botanical observations with diagrams and names and, you know, potentially charts to understand this, this nature. And then I'm realizing that there's an intersection. So science is questioning your findings. Mm -hmm. and, and the intersection between art where art is allowing oneself to feel. Mm -hmm. And so you've got the analysis and then the intersection of that with the feeling and, and the heart. And so figuring out, oh, this is, this is where my art aligns with that. I mean, I've always felt like an artist, but sometimes I don't feel like an artist because I feel more like a scientist. Mm -hmm. Like you're 
because your drawings are very true to life. They're very detailed and representations of plants. That's right. And um, it's very analytical. Mm -hmm. It's um, it almost feels like I'm not generating the art. The art is within the plant <laughs> mm -hmm. and the tree. You're just noting it down I, on the paper. Right, right. I'm observing it. Well, it makes me think maybe, you know, maybe as we're examining every other institution, maybe art needs to be redefined as a communication vehicle, not a product or something like that. I'm just, this is just off the top of my head. I haven't thought much about right. it, but you know, we, we tend to define art as this finished product that hangs on the wall or it's a, on a stage in a performance setting, but if we defined it as communication, it feels very easy to pull your, I mean, I'm not saying that I can't find space for your work in art because it also it has beauty on the page and it's evocative because it's and it's intriguing because they're so detailed and so everything about it says art to me but I understand what you're saying that you know you're reproducing nature so yeah where are you putting yourself on the page or are you just reproducing nature is that kind of what yeah. you're saying yeah but if you're, I love how you're highlighting the learning part of it because I think we could expand our definition of art to be more, to include all the stages of the learning and the observation and the expression and the feelings and the, right. you know, and be less focused on the product. Yeah, the, yeah, and we have talked about um, process over product and with learning, is change right mm -hmm. and so then how do you highlight that learning and is that art <laughs> <laughs> like the act of highlighting the learning yeah yeah, yeah. giving voice to it mm -hmm. in all of its expressions i have to let my brain process yeah first. no okay. do do <laughs> no this is good because you, you talked really about juicy. yeah you talked about a vehicle for um for expression is that, yeah, is that what you for, said? Um, I don't remember exactly what I said. For communicating. A vehicle for communicating. Communicating. Yeah. And with you and your botanical drawings, the way you just described it, it sounds like it's the way that you process your understanding of this plant. Because reading about that plant or looking at a bunch of pictures about that plant is not going to internalize your knowledge of that plant mm -hmm. the way that using your pencil on paper internalizes that knowledge about that plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to planting seeds and, um, and harvesting, right, where you're, you're, you're literally hands-on. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I think in general we... Actually, am I gonna? I might contradict myself in a second. But <laughs> Welcome to us. <laughs> I was gonna say I think in general we have a too limited definition of what art is, but then I think I started out by saying we have too loose of a defini definition of what creativity oh, yeah. is. Yeah, right. Because you know you glue this thing on this thing, and and someone's gonna call it art, and or you put this thing together that somebody else manufactured and then we call that creativity because right. it came from the art store. But yeah. Well, have, has the individual given voice 
to what is being expressed. Yeah, that, yeah, it has something to do with that. Somebody recently I read was defining art as if the person doing it has been transformed in the process, then it is art. Now, if I take that definition yes. and apply it to, and my sister might be listening, and we've had conversations about scrapbooking because she doesn't get offended. She doesn't show herself being offended, and I don't know if I've offended her. I'm totally I've, into scrapbooking. But she, <laughs> I'm pro scrapbooking. Really? Yeah. Okay, so she, it's, she what, is, it's what I did my first two years of, um, of college. I did collage and scrapbooking. Yeah, I was really into it. Now, collage, uh -huh. yeah, I want to separate yeah, those yeah. things okay. out because the thing, so that when I think of scrapbooking, what I'm picturing is the aisles at Michael's where they have every cute paper and every little thing to, it's an industry. Ah, and it's okay. the industry okay. I, that I, I struggle definition. with. Yeah. However, my sister and other people who might be listening, who I'm in danger of offending, my sister used to do some retreats with her friends and they all were parents of young kids and you know like I'm I am making motions of my brain exploding you know they're like in this <sighs> world making of sounds of explosions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where their lives are consumed by parenting small children and so they would take these weekend retreats and bring all their scrapbooking stuff and talk and probably drink wine or drink tea or whatever and and make these things and it was for their family but really it was like creative outlets and talking you know there were so many positive things about it and so i i have no i think that's fantastic because that is mental health it's the industry that that is at the root of a lot of my judgment because anytime and i feel this way about like zumba trademark like, I love the dancing that happens in a Zumba class, but the fact that their clothing has to be, say Zumba on it, and the song say Zumba, and it has a little trademark by it, that's what it bothers me. Yeah. And it's become a money-making thing for somebody. And that's then it, we get to like the intersection of art and capitalism, and that is very fraught with like oil and water. It's not a... It, it also is very contradictory to reclaiming and reusing. And so I yes. see how that would be really... A, a, point of friction for you yeah yeah that is yeah and it also feels too too easy but i know a lot of people i know that busy moms need it to be easy so i won't i'm not faulting the moms what i want for people who do the paint and sip and and i love you all <laughs> keep doing it and yes for whatever yeah. reasons keep you're doing, doing it. it and then I wish for you at some point that you will also step into generating things that are a little more authentic to yourself. And yet, I've just also spent time marking my trajectory from coloring books to tracing yeah. to copying to, you know, and so I, I do understand that it's part of the process. Right. I think my right. fear is I just don't want people to think that's the end of the process. Like, yeah. oh, I made this painting. Yeah. Now I know how to paint. And I don't think that people are coming out of those paint nights thinking that. But so it's a gateway art? Yeah, it's a gateway art. We're back to it oh. being a gateway, yeah. Gateway craft? It's part of the progression. And I guess I just want the progression to keep progressing. Progressing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there, it gets more juicy. 
it gets more frustrating. Yeah. It gets more. Yeah, it just, it yeah, it's just part of the development. And and just to go back to my sister, she's now a painter. Like she did Amazing. not stop then, and her she's an empty nester. And I, I get her into my studio, and she's like painting, and she's loving it, and she so it keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's just what I want for people. Like, just keep going. Right. Start with the box and what all the parts being provided for you. And then that's a step. And then just keep going step by step. So is it created? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you're creating something, right? I guess. Or, yeah. I mean, are you are you making something? I guess the question. I guess that's for the maker to answer. Because yeah. if we're defining, have have you has transformation occurred? Have you been changed by the process? Right. And if you have, yes, you have made art and it was creative. Right. And it might not be in the mug that you are painting. It may have been in the space where you are creating this conversation with a friend and catching up. And sharing, mm-hmm. sharing your story. Yeah. Yeah, I think this helped me break through. <laughs> I have spent an inordinate amount of time wrestling with this, like scrapbooking versus collage, paint and sip versus... Because I've had people say, oh, you should do... Do you do those paint and sip nights? And I do painting classes, but I don't want people to make the same thing. And I don't want to show them step by step how to make this painting, right. how to make a painting that looks like my painting. Mm-hmm. I, I will refuse to do that because people if they want that they can go someplace else totally um, but I have I've been struggling with like why am I so against that yeah yeah interesting I'm over the uh, the break that we had a week off um, my kids were they were crafting they were making miniatures our table was exploded um, with all these popsicle sticks and um, and miniature items and uh, one day, Bob Ross was presented. <laughs> I just, Bob Ross just makes me smile. I've never really even watched. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar, but I just. Totally. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm semi-familiar awesome. with it. And while I was doing dishes, I listened to Bob Ross. And hearing the commentary between my two kids and hearing about oh, tell Ross, me about this. It was just outrageous. I mean, it was so fun. I think it blew their minds that there was such artistic um, excellence and mastery to it. And yet he was so positive and so inclusive. And you could, and I mean, the idea is that you copy what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that Julian had ever seen anything like that and was just just seeing the magic of paint going on a canvas yeah. for someone who is who says that painting really isn't for them all the time that they're mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a development it, yeah um, it was really fun it is kind of magical and mesmerizing watching somebody paint somebody was yeah. talking about that the other day just like you know how mesmerizing it can be to watch people make things on YouTube or something yeah even if you don't plan to make that thing just watching it happen right yeah Bob Ross when you said mastery I have a master 
Oh, it was really hard coming out of my mouth and saying it, but it was the only one that I could. No, it's a great word for Bob Ross. <laughs> it's perfect. I just uh, that's a that's a new word that I'm just sort of unpacking only yeah. because. I mean, yes, we we practice things and we get really, I don't want to say good, we get very proficient and skilled at them. Yeah. But the part of mastery that's bothering me is it it connotes a stopping point or like a a labeling of expert. And I just always want to be a beginner or keep going. And so the idea of a master... I'm resisting that a lot yeah. now, but that's probably fodder for another conversation. Well, maybe, but in, in the sense that the um, first people's principles of teaching, I take mastery as a personal, independent challenge to oneself, where you see how far you can take yourself mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, wow yourself. And it kind of goes back to what you're talking about that, oh my gosh, I did this. Oh my gosh, this was amazing. And being able... To, to highlight that and express that and share that, like that's super courageous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there are, yeah, I'm not anti-mastery and I haven't articulated what it is, but I do, yeah. I mean, I am definitely for excellence and doing your best. Yeah, I feel like I'm heading into incoherence now. Okay. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it's been fun. Just for the record, you were super natural. I felt like I felt like I was more aware of being recorded than you were. Yeah, I just pretended that we weren't being recorded. Was, you did a great yeah, job pretending. And to to be totally transparent, <laughs> um, when you mentioned that we would do this, I was um, reluctant because I don't like to be recorded. Um, but I trust you, and I really appreciate that, Pam. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I know. Thanks for taking the, being courageous enough to take this as a creative risk for you. Yeah. Not your comfort zone. That's right. And as I said in my text back to you, I love meeting people outside their comfort zone. (laughs) It's one of my favorite places to be. Yeah, I groaned when I read that. (laughs) I'm like, oh, of course she does. (laughs) Yeah. It's my favorite place. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. This is this thank is you. great. Very juicy. Well, thank you, dear listener. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. And in it, you could probably sense my my personal desperation to be included in the body of what is considered creativity and art, but also a desire, since I worked so hard to get there, that it be meaningful and not just, you know, something that takes zero effort. I think that's where my struggle lies. It was interesting hashing that out with Rhiannon. Also, I realized that ironically or not, in my website shop, I have some art kits. However, they are more like the way I teach. They're a collection of materials that I hope will uh, delight you. And then you're invited to assemble them and put them together how you want, either to make a mosaic, other ones are for making wind chimes. So you could check that out. My website is allhandsart.com. Rhiannon's website is rhiannonleonard.art. I will link them both below. And you can look for her botanical illustrations on cards in flower and plant shops around the Portland area in 2022. Thank you for listening to the Accidental Muralist podcast, and we will catch you next time.